Global Barstool. I'm back. I know it's been a while. Um, man, it's been a busy, busy summer. We don't really get into it today, but you know, there was a time, probably a year ago, John Robinson, uh, you may know, my backup CEO, uh, set a goal for me to take this summer off. And that, that didn't really happen. And the reason for that was to focus on coaching baseball. I've got three boys and primarily coach one of them, um, help out with another. That didn't really happen, but I spent a lot of time coaching. A lot of time. Spent less time working, and I was okay with that. And I think that was definitely a lesson this summer that, well, you know, I was still grinding. I was grinding, focused on things I cared about most. And it's why I have this business in the first place. So that was my lesson, uh, but I am back, and we're back and stronger than ever. We got Andrew Foxwell on. He's going to kind of lead the game today. Um, we talk about a lot of nerdy Facebook stuff, Instagram, and those developments. So sit back, relax, pop a bottle. Let's do it. Hey everybody, this is John from JohnLumer.com and John Loomer Digital on Facebook. Here with another edition of the Social Media Pubcast where each week, or really each, every every other month lately, uh, I invite you to the virtual pub and we get drunk on social media. So typically once a month, I know Andrew couldn't, couldn't be here last month, uh, but we have Andrew Foxwell, my good friend, my good Facebook nerd, fellow Facebook nerd on the show to typically talk Facebook stuff. How you doing, Andrew? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing really good. And I, I was thinking about a John Loomer digital jingle Uh-oh. this morning as I woke up. Um, I'm thinking something like, John Loomer digital hubcast. What do you think? I mean, crowd, you can let me know feedback on that. But it's, thinking, it, I'm thinking we need another jingle other than that cool intro music. It reminds me of like listening to six six twenty WTMJ uh, Brewers games and like the, just the horrible eighties commercials that would come on. Yes, and, and that's what I'm going for. Yeah. I'm I'm going for that. Yeah, that's actually that's that's if I could have been a radio DJ, I would have. I've always wanted to be a radio DJ, but I would have done it in the nineteen eighties because of the incredible amount of commercials well, and the cool stuff that you would have been able to talk about i mean i would have loved that and your creativity is made for 80s jingles you could have done everybody's jingles that could have just been your gig i know i know i totally agree with you so anyway before we get moving here uh you know how this works it's the pubcast what are you drinking oh well i'm having a line kugel's original oh my. which is very wisconsin of me and tastes delicious. And, uh, and now that we're recording, and in a can. Now that we're you know recording this a little bit two hours later than we normally record this or that we used to record this, it's less weird that we're drinking this early in the day. So, cheers to to you and cheers to Wisconsin. Yeah. So I'm definitely going uh, less Wisconsin and more Ireland. And I just poured the Guinness. I kind of was was having a craving for the Guinness this morning. Uh, cheers to you, my man. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, so it's been a while. And, uh, yeah, Andrew, you sent me a whole list of things that you would like to talk about today. 
Um, and honestly, these are your babies. These are your stories. These are your thoughts. And um, I would love it if you could lead it. Um, whether you want to talk about Instagram stories or bidding strategies or whatever you want to do. You want to take it for me today? You got it. I mean, I think the big story today that that's that's out is is Instagram's uh, stories. You know, they're they're a competitor directly to Snapchat and Snapchat stories. Um, but I think they're already being used. I mean, I logged into mine this morning, um, into Instagram, and and out of the people that I follow, I think I had forty Instagram stories that were already there for me to view. Um, to me, Instagram has that cachet. It has that coolness, um, and so there's going to be a lot more usage of this. One of the things that is, I think, challenging uh, or has been challenging um, with Instagram is that users have felt that their needs, every photo needs to be really beautiful. Mm. Uh, so now this is going to allow that kind of, you know, more raw footage, right? And it's a little bit more, you, it'll hopefully bring up the user activity on that platform. But um, one of the other things is is that I think ads are going to be a big part of it, um, and and they're kind of increasing that ad load. I mean, what are your thoughts about Instagram stories as what you know about them and how you think they're going to interact, John? Well, first of all, I could never get myself into Snapchat. I am uh, too old for Snapchat. I don't know, maybe not. There, there are definitely some older people who use Snapchat. I just I just never really dug it. Like my wife and I. Um, we would kind of, uh, make fun of Michael, like, and, and snap, snap stuff to him and make him feel uncomfortable and stuff, uh, our, our oldest son. But beyond that, uh, I didn't do a whole lot. Um, I didn't find it all that interesting. That's just me. But I know a lot of people find it interesting. And, and I mean, we know that Facebook never was able to take over kind of that is that uh, Snapchat type of approach. Like they made several pro uh, attempts. They made one recently even that was so short and under the radar, no one even knows that it happened. They were doing it with Messenger. Um, so, but this actually makes more sense now. I mean, based on the way you've explained Instagram stories to me, um, this seems to be a game changer. Seems to be people are happy about it. Uh, it doesn't impact, you know, the way I've been using social media because I, you know, I'm just not big into that all that stuff because I'm old. But this definitely sounds like a game changer. Now, my, I guess my question for you, you you mentioned it being a big deal for ads. Um, how, how does it change ads? I mean, is it because are gonna make or can you make a, a promoted story? I mean, how, how does it change ads? Well, I mean, I think promoted stories are one going you know, to definitely be one of them. Um, you know, we basically have seen Snapchat and those of us that are using it and our social marketers, you've seen that, you know, essentially within Snap Stories, they've inserted TV ads, essentially. Um, they're, they're three to 10 second ads that live within Snap Stories. Um, so you're trying to view one and there's a commercial in between them. So it's very much like watching television. Hmm. Uh, so that's clearly an option that they could go. One of the challenges that Facebook has, and they said this on the earnings call last week, that's very, you know, I think very apparent, and we've seen this with rising CPMs, um, is the more popular Facebook gets and the more popular Facebook newsfeed and Instagram newsfeed get, uh, the more 
ad load there is. There's, there's more ads that are being served. There's certainly more ads now on Instagram than there were even a month ago, in my opinion. I think about every third post now is an ad that you're seeing. And I think it is interesting that they haven't carouseled them like they did with Facebook mobile news feed um, to show multiple link posts and things like that yet. So there's an extremely high amount of competition there, and especially for those lower funnels for a lot of people, but we'll, we'll get to talking about that. And so what I think this does is it's another place that's going to engage brands and it's going to be a place where they can go. Um, which is a really good thing. Uh, there's a lot of people out there, what, what Instagram and what ultimately Snapchat and Facebook I think are trying to do um, is it's not Instagram, and, and Jason Stein, who is a guy I follow on this, who I think is really smart, he runs an agency called 24-7 Laundry Service, he said it's not Snapchat and Instagram, it's not Snapchat versus Instagram versus Facebook, it's Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter versus TV. Um, and I think that's really the, the idea, right? If you're in a traditional media buying environment and you're a big company, you're Chevy, you are whatever kind of brand, um, you're looking at TV as a big part of those ad dollars. And that's where so much of that investment gets made. And I think the more that we'll see is it's shifting into more of a brand awareness thing. And so video is a big part of it. Videos we know is going to be a big part of it. So stories are videos. They're collections of videos and still photos. and this is going to be a place that I think is going to allow not only big brands to get in on it and take more of those incremental dollars from TV, but it's going to force those of us in social marketing as well, and especially in Facebook and Instagram marketing, to be more creative. And we're not going to be able to take a static image. And in a year or two years, I would be surprised if we're still taking the model of a static image link post and putting it out there. To me, it's going to be something that's integrated into the user experience in a much more seamless way. So they're looking actively for places to put ads. We've seen it in instant mm -hmm. articles. We've seen it in Messenger. Uh, and this is going only to be better for us. I, I think it's going to be more <laughs> options for our clients. It's going to be a better storytelling capabilities for the people that we work with. Um, and it's going to keep us on our toes in terms of strategies that we need to get to. And I think so, so I think that's a big part of it is ad load in terms of looking at these stories. I mean, my concern about the ad side of it is that, as it is right now, when when you're when a Facebook and you're on Facebook Power Editor, Ads Manager, whatever, you're running ads, you're automatically sending it to Instagram right now, unless you say that you want to control where it goes and uncheck Instagram. And my issue with that has been up until now is that the content we're creating in most cases really isn't for Instagram. And it kind of sticks mm -hmm. out. Like you, you talked about you know, having to take these beautiful pictures and whatnot, and what we're sharing is definitely not. And it stands out. It's why the engagement on Instagram has gone down, particularly with brands. But, so now we're talking Instagram stories, and if we're still creating the same Facebook-centric stuff that ends up going to Instagram, isn't that going to be even less effective over there? Well, I think it's, you know, they're automatically putting stuff on Instagram, and I agree with you. I don't think that's effective, and a lot of people don't know that. That's one of the biggest things that I'm sure those of you that do this every day see like we do. You know, placement splits and splitting things out from Instagram to, to mobile newsfeed, to audience network, to Facebook desktop newsfeed, that's a huge thing that I see, I see a lot of people don't do. And frankly, you can control costs so wonderfully by when splitting that placement. And so the ad that you put on Instagram has to be different than the ad you have on Facebook. It has to be. I mean, 
there's very rare cases where there there should be the same ad. A lot of people have used them in video, um, and they've used even the narrow videos, you know, the 1200 by 628 mm. you know, video on Instagram. And frankly, you can do that, but it doesn't work as well, I don't think. Um, and I'm sure you, other people have seen that too. So I think it's very important that you need to um, have a have them be separate, and you need to think about Instagram separately. Instagram stories are going to be different than Facebook Live, right? It's going to be a totally different thing. They're similar, but I think it's important to, to point out that they are different, and that you're going to need to think about them differently in terms of ads in the future. Yeah, I mean, I think this development just shows how important the Instagram acquisition was, because I don't think Facebook, because with all these attempts to mimic. Snapchat and whatnot uh, on Facebook that failed. I don't think Facebook could have created the equivalent of Instagram stories on Facebook and made it work. Now, I don't know if this is going to work on Instagram still, but I mean, based on what you're telling me, it's it probably will. Um, but it just makes that acquisition, to me, seem even more strategically genius because they could really yeah. not knock around Snapchat on this thing. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's, anyway, I think that's really interesting. And one of the other topics, uh, th can we move on to a new topic? Should we have a quick drink? <laughs> See, yeah, you got you to get, get, get figure out how this works. We need a good transition. So, yes, we, we, can, we can have a drink. We can sh okay. uh, shift gears here and have a drink. Cheers to you, man. Cheers. You're such a rookie, man. I know, I know. I'm not ready for prime time, but <laughs> hope everybody's bearing with me on this. So what's, what's the so, next topic? I mean, the next topic I was thinking about discussing is getting a lot of questions from people about the OCPM average and max bidding. Um, mm. And this is a really, this is a good one for advanced advertisers that are out there. There's different ways that you can bid. I think bidding is one of the most underutilized tools in Facebook. Um, and so... You can, to give you an idea of what this is, basically, uh, the people that are listening, I know you know what this is, John, but basically OCPM is a bidding method that Facebook uses, of course, and if many people just leave that as uh, automatic, which mm -hmm. lets Facebook decide what that bid is for whether it is a website click or it's a website conversion or whatever the objective is for your campaign. Um, and they now have a manual, or they've had a manual override where you can override that bid and say, I'm willing to pay X number of dollars for this. They now have changed that so you can say not only your max bid that you're willing to pay, but an average bid right. that you are willing to pay. Um, and I'm wondering if you've heard anything about this uh, from other people and what the results have been and kind of what you've seen. I've heard mostly confusion, right? So... Uh, yeah. Yeah, up until now, it's been max bid. So like that's something that people have to understand is whether it's a manual bid or automatic bid, um, it's the max that you will pay whatever amount is in there, um, especially for uh, manual bid, automatic bid. It's going to constantly adjust. But it doesn't mean you're always going to pay that amount. It's just the most depending on the, the, the competition. Now, the confusing, confusing thing is with... Um, the average is that now it can go over that. Now, here's my confusion with you right now, Andrew. So there's, because I was actually thinking of the average budget though too. 
because there's there's that as well where it can go over the daily budget by 25 percent right are we talking about two that's different another, things? so there's two another different new things. things yeah yeah so so you what what is it then that you're hearing with the average cpm because that's something i don't believe i have it's an it's an option correct is that just a, an api kind of thing I mean, I have, I've seen it in all of my accounts um, that it basically has, it says uh, bid manual or automatic. Right. You can then yeah. click and say manual, and then you can put it in there and say I'm willing to pay whatever the bid is, average or max, whatever the max bid is I'm willing to pay. Um, I haven't tried the average bid. Actually, we did, actually, I take that back. We did try it, and it was it, it was not that great, frankly. Um so it'll be interesting to see. I think, I don't know why you would, the average bid, I think Facebook's thinking about that in, in reference to say, we want to do this so that you can kind of even it out and give us a little bit more opportunity because the challenge that Facebook is clearly facing, there a lot of alliteration, is people are all max bidding. So, it, I mean, a let, a, not not all of them, but a lot of people are max bidding, especially in the, the tier of, of advanced advertisers that are listening to this podcast. So if everybody is max bidding, that creates a ton of competition and doesn't allow as much room for inexpensive impressions to be shown to people that are manually bidding, mm -hmm. right? So even Facebook has come out in advanced sessions with uh, agencies and stuff and has said, if your product is $50, Let's say your average order value is fifty dollars. We suggest bidding three to four times greater than right. that. So we suggest bidding that two hundred dollars as a max OCPM override. Well, with everybody's bidding two hundred dollars for a conversion, yeah. how are you supposed to get ninety percent of the, you know, e-commerce advertisers out there um, to to you know be seeing good results? with a product that's under $50. And that creates, I think, a significant hurdle. So the average one is probably where they're trying to play a little bit more of that that game um, with kind of playing the float on it. So yeah. I don't know. And to be clear, I don't have it. So I just confirm checking back to, to my power editor. Um, I don't have that. And I don't have the average daily budget either. Because the average daily budget, that's still an option, right? It's not that It's they, still an option, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that, I mean that's to me that's that's interesting. That's um, it, I, the average budget thing is I, I don't know. I, I get what they're trying to do with that. That creates more confusion to me. That's one of the stupidest things that LinkedIn has always had. If you've ever run an ad on LinkedIn, it's it it tells you when you launch. I, I could possibly spend another twenty five percent, and you have to just know that that's going to happen. And that just creates a lot of uncomfort, I think, with people. So I get what they're trying to do with that, that if something's going well, right. we want to be able to change it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, anyway, and, and, and that, that to me is a, is a direct response to a lot of the tools that many of the API partners have created. Um, so, you know, there's now in the Power Editor a lot of the tricks that it's not in everybody's Power Editor. I've only seen it in one account. But... You can have the um, automatic adjustments, a lot, of like, a lot of like the API partner. So if the CPA goes over a certain amount, decrease by forty percent. Wait, are you talking about the uh, the automated rules? Automated rules. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No. I and so that's as far as I know, it's only within the ads manager. And yes, I do not have that. 
Yeah, I've only I actually saw it in the power editor in really? one account. That's I haven't seen it in the ads manager yeah, within automated rules. Well, but. maybe I need to look cl- closer at my uh, power editor, but the screen grabs I'd seen from Facebook were in ads manager, and the the only rule was uh, to be able to turn something off if one of like fifteen different metrics um, right. went a certain direction. Uh, right, and, and and the way I understand the way that worked is th- this would run once a day, which makes sense because it's like, well, if during, you know you start running it in the first hour, you know the CPA CPA is too high, they're not gonna just shut it off. They need to run for right. a certain amount of time. Um, so that I find that to be not to completely shift gears on this thing, but that would be really useful. I mean, for anyone who's running. Lots of ads, lots of ad sets, lots of campaigns, and don't want to completely freaking micromanage this thing 24-7. can actually step back a little bit and let it go. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, and that's that's kind of an interesting one. I, that, to me, is a direct response to a lot of the things that have been happening, like I said, in those API partners. So if, there's a, if there is a thing that you use a lot in Ad Espresso or another one of the platforms, um, I think you'll see a lot of those show up probably soon in, in Facebook, um, to be honest with you. So that the first one is, you know, the average max, the average bidding. That's one that I know that was in another tool. The, the budget uh, was in another tool. I mean, I've seen it in a couple different Facebook tools. Um, so free, I think we're so, seeing that. Uh, another one would be website custom audience, uh, the frequency and time on site. Um, so... Mm-hmm. You know, initially, before Facebook rolled even that out to their API, um, there were a couple of tools that allowed you to create those website custom audiences. Uh, they were really buggy for me, so I didn't use them. But then Facebook rolled it out to you know the main ads manager to be able to create a website custom audience based on frequency of actions, so events, website visits, that kind of thing. I thought that was really useful, but um, several other things like time on site was still in the API, so third-party tools had it. Um, now, Facebook just rolled out the ability to create a website custom audience based on how long people have been on your site. So the top 5%, 10%, 25% of most active people on your site, which is awesome. And, uh, and so I would, I would think that being a third-party um, tool developer would be really frustrating because you've got this tool that, like, Everybody wants to use because you can't you can't do this anywhere else, or you can't do it on Facebook, and then all of a sudden Facebook rolls it in, and you're like, ah, now you're obsolete. That's gotta suck. Yep. Oh, yep. I totally agree with you, and that's a that's a common thing that a lot of people will ask, you know, about do you use another partner platform? And I know Antonio would would disagree with us on this. Uh, you know, Antonio works for Ad Espresso, um, but I personally have always used the the tools because things change so rapidly. I mean, in my opinion. Um, you want to use stay closer to the ground yeah and um, so I told Antonio um, my motto is you know I don't like tools people or social mm. I like to keep things native mm. <laughs> but <laughs> most people <laughs> so a lot of people find find a lot of use in that so yeah. well I know one thing that um, just transitioning into talking a little bit more about that website custom audience stuff so I know this is something you've spent a lot of time thinking and talking about um, but uh, treating that website custom audience differently than you treat that cold traffic or even your mid-range traffic, right? Yeah. Um, and I wanted to, 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 to talk about how, 
what are some of your thoughts about how you can start to think about treating that differently or that audience differently that's been there um, and how you can even bid at those people differently? Sometimes people will say a cost per click bid for retargeting is actually more effective than a conversion bid. Um, but wanted to just kind of get your thought on, on the website custom audience and, and the lower funnel stuff and how you can even some of the segmenting things. I mean, a lot of people don't do that. It's something that, that I do but not a ton of. You know, of segmenting, you know, people that have added a cart or that type of thing. So I'm wondering your take on, on thinking about website custom audiences and, and some tips for people as they're maybe setting those up and thinking about a little more sophisticated fashion. Yeah, I mean, first of all, absolutely. I mean, these people who are on your website custom audience, especially when you start digging into either the page they visited, the number of times they visited, the amount of time on site they've been, they've been there to isolate the most valuable people. These are the people you should be going after to get the opt-ins, to get the sales. Um, but the one challenge that that I've, I've run into, though, as well, is that this is going to be a small audience, and you also have to make sure that you don't abuse them. So you can, you can just pound them with ads and, like, oh, this is the audience I need to go after because they're the ones who are most active and do this and that, and then you just run all your ads to them. But... I've actually, I haven't implemented, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of this ads lull. I run, I run, I run, I do this every probably six months or so where I hit a lull where I just, I kind of step back. I let all my campaigns expire and, um, and then I, you know, take a look back at what I was running and do something different. Um, so, I mean, I think, I mean, I know you're familiar with the whole evergreen thing um that that I do but a new approach that I'm I, I just, I've been mapping out as far as how this would work would be with all these various types of website custom audiences so the one thing I needed as a trigger to send them into this whole funnel okay I needed to target some audience without completely abusing them um to get them to sign up for one of my one of my webinars Okay, because I got these three webinars, one for beginner, one for intermediate, one for advanced. So what I decided on, I wanted to focus on those people who were most active on my site, uh, whether it be through frequency or time on site during the past 14 days. So that way, if it's just during a, a shorter time period as opposed to saying during the last 180 days, that audience will shift constantly. So if you're really active during the past 14 days, it doesn't mean you're going to be the most active person during the next 14 days. So you won't necessarily keep seeing that ad over and over. Once, once you do register for one of those things, you'll, you'll no longer see it. So that's, so that's going to be the trigger into it. And then um, I'm going to start remarketing to people um, for my products based on which of those webinars they uh, ended up registering for. So if you registered for the beginner, I'm, I put you into a time like 30 days after registering for that because assuming then you would have attended the webinar 30 days after you register for that um, for 15 days I'm going to promote my beginners program to you same thing for intermediates and so I'm gonna have this whole process that you can do you know by using durations and things like that so that's the way I'm looking at it I know it's all kind of complicated but I've been mapping it out myself and website custom audiences make it all work 
And are you bidding differently with those? I mean, within a website custom audience, are you? How are you bidding? I've heard a lot of people say, you know, a cost per click bid is good, or even a post engagement bid can be, or post engagement ad um, can be good to that lower funnel audience. What do you think about in reference to that? So for the first ad that's just promoting the webinars, and I'll probably just be doing a carousel for that. I just plan on doing a typical. um, I'll see how big that audience is though too before I before I do this, but I'll do a uh, clicks to website and more than likely automated bid with that optimizing for the website click. Now after that though. When people register, that's when I'd start bidding much, much differently and probably differently than you do and most people do. So I'm going to remarket to those people who registered. So those people who registered for the beginner's webinar and hit the thank you page, one of two places, either hit the thank you page or they registered via a lead ad, which could be the case as well. Um, So I could do a custom audience for that as well, which is awesome. Um, But anyway, so... For, for 30 to 45 days since that happened, I want to make sure I hit as many of those people as possible so I don't optimize in that case. I do daily unique reach so I don't bombard them with multiple ads every day. And I set a manual bid, uh, like a higher manual bid um, to make sure I reach as many of those people as possible. So, but that's only when I have a really small, extremely relevant audience People I know performed one action to show them something for a limited amount of time. And when you say higher bid, manually setting that, what is that? Is that is that five times greater than normal? Are you bidding five dollars a click? Or I mean, what are you bidding in that in that sense? What does so that look like? It depends, but a lot of times I'm bidding like ten times. I mean, quite a bit. Got it. Because I'm, my goal in most of these cases is to reach as many of those people as possible. Um, so now I'm gonna keep a closer eye on that this time around because what I found last during my last evergreen campaign is that there's a balance in there is that it worked really really well at first and even bidding high um, result brought great results but eventually um, the price just kept going up and so there's a balance between I want to reach as many of those people as possible and bidding whatever it takes to reach as many of them because they're all relevant and and okay i'll reach a, f- a f- just a few but those those people would be i'd get a really good conversion rate and cost per conversion so there's something in between there sure and i think one other question i have on that that other people have asked me and this is i mean i think super relevant is with lower target lower funnel targeting on website custom audiences i've had the question of do you think I don't want to I don't want to bombard them? And so, do you think a daily unique reach bid is a good idea? Do you think a DUR bid is okay? Um, you know, what do you what do you think about that? Do you think a DUR bid is is a good idea to make sure you're not? I mean, you know, that's, that's why I use too it. much of it. That's why I use it because basically, so the the objective, my objective in that case is to reach as many of these people as possible. So that gives me two options because that tells tells you I don't want to optimize and have Facebook only reach ten to twenty percent of these people because they want to focus on a certain group. I want to reach all of these people. So I have two options, either CPM bidding or daily unique reach. And when it's CPM bidding, it Facebook's just gonna say, What's your budget? We're gonna hit as many of those people as many times as possible every single day to get to your budget. If it's daily unique reach, they're going to say, what's your budget? Well, 
we might not be able to get there, but when we reach as many of these people, but only once. You get, I, you, you cut me off. I can't do you. I can't target that person more than once in a day. So I end up having like maybe a high budget, but I'll get nowhere close to that budget because it's cut off at once. Um, now, so that's the first thing is that I, I, I do use that for that purpose. But the other thing is to make sure you don't bombard them. I have there, there's you can make them short windows because you're basically on um, a duration. So these website custom audiences, a duration since they performed an action, hopefully that they'll never perform again. So it, you don't have to target them for two months at a time or a month at a time. Just say, I only want, I'm going to use daily unique reach. They're not going to see more than one ad a day. And they're only going to see these ads during this 10 day window um, based on these durations. And that's, that's the way I control it at least. Yeah. And I think that's super interesting. I mean, website custom audiences, we, we spend so much money bringing cold traffic to our site, right? We, a lot of us spend money bringing brand new people. And I think the, a lot of times it's a, it's a question of once they're there, I have all these things I could do. How do I get at them? What are some suggested ways? So I think that's super, super helpful. Um, well, I want to, I'm going to take a quick drink because I'm frankly, you know, soup just need to have a drink to take all that in. Um, but I know that we're at 45 minutes, so I don't want to go too much over here. Are we done? Uh, but hold on. I don't I would, know. We're at about 30. We're at about 30 for record time. Okay. So I'd like to talk about one more topic if you don't mind after I take this swig. All right. So one of the things recently that I've seen that you've been talking about in the advanced um, power hitters webinar, and I don't if, if those of you that are listening to this are not in the power hitters club um, or you're in different stages, I'd encourage you to sign up for one of the, John's webinars. I mean, they're super helpful. Um, power hitters club, johnlimmer.com backslash PHC. Is for those of you that are really wanting to get in the weeds and learn from 500 plus other advanced advertisers that are in there, but. One of the things that I saw you talking about, we get a lot of questions about on there, is accurately measuring conversion numbers and some of the attribution modeling. Um, and I just, I'd love to hear your take on this as you've been talking about it recently in some of the webinars and your 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 quick thought. Um, I know you wrote a recent blog post about this a little bit too, so a little bit ago. So what do you? One of the that's a huge part of it, right? And and, and eMarketer came out yesterday. I think this is super relevant. And they did a big survey of marketers and said that. In the next year, the biggest thing that digital marketers have said across the board that they're going to spend time investing money or you know, money and time investing to learn attribution modeling. Mm-hmm. How do I understand this better? And I think it's a it's a it's a topic we talked about before. But how do you accurately measure some of those conversion numbers and attribution? You know, how do you start to think about attribution modeling um, in a way that is sophisticated and makes sense? I mean, well, first of all, there's a lot of confusion. Um, with, from advertisers in terms of what the the numbers mean. So with the new, I say new, the, the newest Facebook pixel from I don't know, a year plus ago, when you when you optimize for a conversion and um, you look at your ad reports, Facebook's going to report all the conversions that are happening on that pixel. And you may be surprised that a lot of those conversions aren't even the conversions that you're promoting for. Um I was actually taking a second look yesterday, and in one case, it was really only about half of the conversions that were coming in for this one campaign were for what I was actually promoting. Um, so that can end up being confusing, and some people will say it's misleading, 
Um, I think that there's certainly a better ways for Facebook to, to display it. Um, but you can find the find that information though as well. So a couple things to understand is, you know, you have to kind of embrace the way Facebook measures conversions as well. So yes, they report it that way. They report all conversions. If you want to see the specific conversion, create a save report and and your ad reports, and make sure it's always breaking down the individual conversions, not just what you're promoting. That's the first thing. Second of all, you have to understand that. Um, Facebook is reporting everything that was a conversion based on um, anyone who clicked your ad and converted within 28 days or viewed your ad without clicking and converted within a day. Now, someone viewed and later clicked or clicked and later viewed, the attribution always goes to the click, the click no matter what the order or whatever, when, when they end up uh, converting. But anyway, that throws people off because they look at their... Google numbers and like, oh, this is not consistent. As far Google's telling me there are only this many conversions coming from Facebook and Facebook's reporting the, all these other ones. This is way inflated and Facebook's dishonest and all this kind of garbage. But the truth is, Facebook knows where the person is. <laughs> they always know where you are. So you click on an ad, you look at it, oh, that's interesting, you leave, you come back a few days later and you buy. Google doesn't report that as being attributed to Facebook, but Facebook knows it and they do report it. So look, if you really want to control that and say, oh, I only want to focus on people who clicked and converted within a day, you can. Um, but the main thing is just understanding it, embracing it. And I think it's, I think it's taking um, a different approach to this as well. I, th- I think Facebook's right that the success or failure of your ads isn't only based on whether the conversions came in for what you're promoting. They're right to say, well, look, these other conversions happened too. You sold this other stuff too. So even though you know maybe you thought that campaign failed, in reality, it did really well because it brought in lots of people to your site who ended up actually buying and doing all kinds of other stuff. So I think that's right, number one. I think this, the second thing that is going to constantly evolve is the, the connection to offline sales as well. So um, some advertisers are do, able to do this now. We're able to connect, whether it's um, through Facebook's API, um, um, connected to um, your sales records, the people who actually viewed your ads, clicked your ads, ended up in your store even, and ended up purchasing and being able to connect all those things as well. So we're, we're going from a model from several years ago where you run a banner ad, and unless they clicked that ad and purchased it, you have no idea what happened. And if they didn't buy in that manner, you thought it was a failure. To now getting all this information um, of all these other things that happened, even though it wasn't a direct sale. And I think that's, that's really valuable stuff. I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, a lot, of, a lot of words. No, I think absolutely. I mean, I think that's something that people have been pretty confused about over the last uh, couple of months is, you know, looking at those campaigns and saying, why are they measuring an ad to cart? Why are they measuring a view content? Um, and so it's imperative that you build reports that are going to pull out the data you actually need to look at. Um, but I agree with you. There are a lot of other things that are taking place that 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 happens with, and a lot of you that are in the e-commerce world are probably using Shopify. And if you're using the new Shopify 
Facebook Pixel connection, it's going to show all that by default. So mm-hmm. I agree that it's much more valuable and that, that sales lift is a big part of it. And that's something that we'll certainly hear more about. If you're a vendor that uses Square or you know people that do, you're going to soon be able to you know launch those ads and then see the data actually from the lift of if they came in and saw an ad. Yeah. Um, so we're clearly heading in that direction, uh, and it's something that uh, there's going to be better answers about, and they're giving us more attribution um, tactics, frankly, and more attribution numbers um, to make to help us tell our story. Um, so, well, I think it, it's. I mean, how cool and somewhat creepy is it that um, you'll be able to run an ad, and Facebook will let you know that someone saw this ad, didn't buy anything, but ended up in your store. Because of the tracking, the GPS tracking and other tracking on your phone, they can say this was a successful ad. And you would never have known that before. You're like, oh, this ad failed. Well, they, they might not even be right. able to report the actual sales that happened from them. I think eventually they will. But like, it led to these, this number of people actually in your store. And if Absolutely. It's huge. Yeah. And if you have some stats on, which probably most um, brick and mortar would, the percent, you know, the average sale value of a customer just steps into your store, then you can start assigning some value to that as well. Um, so yes, it's kind of creepy, but it it's just kind of amazing how far we've come in terms of reporting that, which is so smart on Facebook's part too, to be able to say, you know, uncover all this because it. It, it shows just how valuable the ads are, even when in the past we thought it was a complete failure. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And uh, it gives you more answers. I mean, that's a huge part of it. And, and, if, and if Facebook can successfully crack some of that small business piece and show the attribution there, that's going to be really huge for them. And I think it'll be really huge for us as advertisers. It's going to show more value in what we do. So, Indeed. Well, cool. Indeed. Well, I think, yeah, we're about 40 minutes. It's always fun talking to you, Andrew. I know it's been a while since we've had you on, but we'll make sure we get back to this once a month schedule. Where can people find you? So everybody can find me at foxwelldigital.com or um, you can tweet at me at Andrew Foxwell, um, or you can sign up. Uh, I have a pinned tweet at the top of my Twitter feed. I, you know, It's also on Facebook and, of course, on our Facebook page. You can check out the Foxwell Digital Download, which is a monthly newsletter we put together kind of digest and think about the stories that are interesting and of, of worth in the Facebook and Instagram world this month. So uh, if that's interesting to you, feel free to sign up. Uh, I have a huge list now of about 170 people, so feeling pretty pretty happy about that. Um, but it's a pretty tight group of people that really read the stories and care. We have about a 75% open rate, so it feels pretty good about that. Yeah, so. absolutely sign up for it. I mean, that was a something that I tried because I, I was like, wow, this is awesome when you guys did it. Basically, it's it's recapping everything you need to know that happened in the last month. Um, and I was like, I got, I, I want to do something like this too. So I guess I was the Instagram to your Snapchat. And then uh, I did it once and a great response. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this every month. I haven't done it since. It's just so much work. So the amount of work you guys put into it, you and Gracie, it's, it's pretty awesome and I strongly advise that signs up awesome 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 well thanks for your time brother i appreciate it and thanks to those of you that listened through this whole thing yep thanks everybody and until next time do awesome things we're out
John Hubcast. <laughs>